great pleasure to address each and every one of you today. Uh, many people have admired the fact that I'm in uniform, and as I explained to everybody, that if you've ever cooked hot dogs on a grill and watched the skin split on the hot dog, I think I'm at one more french fry, and I won't be able to get into this one. So, If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Luke, the third chapter, verses 7 through 14. A passage of scripture that, if you're not a veteran, it kind of goes over your head. Luke, the third chapter, verses 7 through 14. And it goes like this. John said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told him, Don't collect any more than what you've been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. May God add his blessing to the reading of his most precious word today. Uh, I want to introduce you to somebody, a fellow by the name of Raymond Weeks. How many of you ever heard that name, Raymond Weeks? A few. In 1945, after serving in the Navy in World War II, Raymond Weeks returned to his family in Birmingham, Alabama, and envisioned a national holiday that would honor surviving war veterans. He picked a day, November 11th, a day that's traditionally celebrated as Armistice Day, marking the end of World War I on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the year. Weeks felt the day should be set aside to honor all veterans of all wars. So the next year, he wrote a letter, and he personally delivered his petition for a National Veterans Day, 1947, to then Army Chief of Staff, General Dwight Eisenhower. Because of Weeks' unrelenting commitment to honor those who had bravely served the United States during the time of war, the first Veterans Day event was held on November 11, 1947, in Birmingham. In 1954, when General Eisenhower became President Eisenhower, he officially changed the designation of Armistice Day and signed a bill which made Veterans Day, November the 11th, a federal holiday. This bill was proposed by U.S. Representative Edward Reese of Kansas. For, 40, for 38 years after that, Weeks was dubbed the father of Veterans Day. And he served his hometown of Birmingham as the director of the National Veterans Day celebration. Then on November 11th, 1982, President Ronald Reagan presented Weeks with the Presidential Citizens Medal. <coughs> the president described Weeks 
as a person who devoted his life to serving others, his community, the American veteran, and his nation. So he added, so let us go forth from here, having learned the lessons of history, confident in the strength of our system and anxious to pursue every avenue toward peace. And on this Veterans Day, we will remember and be firm in our commitment to peace. And those who died in defense of our freedom will have not have died in vain. Weeks died on May the 6th, 1985, at the age of 76. I will let you know that until I was researching this sermon, I had totally forgotten about Raymond Weeks. Many of you have never heard of him, but he's the reason why we celebrate Veterans Day as we do today. <coughs> you might remember in the passage that we read earlier that the soldiers came to be baptized. Now, understand that soldiers are different from every era. Now, for me, uh, I signed up for the Navy in 1975. I graduated high school, and uh, I, I went for uh, basic training, and then I went to uh, radar man training, and then I went and served aboard the USS William V. Pratt. And then I went on to serve 10 years in the Navy, and I got out, and uh, I went to seminary. And after seminary, I decided to go back in. The Navy didn't need any chaplains, or didn't want me. I wasn't able to figure out which one that was. Uh, but the Army sure wanted me. And so I finished up serving the Army, did 23 years with them, and so I served 33 years and retired. Uh, these soldiers were different, though. Many of you have read some of the great campaigns of Rome, and many of you knew that during this time period, Rome was a protectorate, or the other way around, Israel was protected by Rome. And so these soldiers, chances are, had served in the military, and had gone on great crusades, had done things. And uh, when the time came, they were given this posting in Israel because uh, it was not going to be a very strenuous post. These are soldiers that had 15, 20, maybe even 30 years, and they were going to retire soon. But they were given the, sh the job of keeping the peace in, in Israel. And one of the things that, that gets on your mind when you're in the military is, am I righteous before God? Because you serve in the military, and you always have a chance that you might have to take an enemy's life. And it's one of the most devastating things that can happen to you if you give it much thought. And so I can see these soldiers coming to John and wanting to be baptized. And I can imagine that they were sure what John was going to say to them, for they were Romans. And they were sure that John was going to tell them, no, sorry, you can't be baptized. You're soldiers. You're, in, you're the enemy. Nothing can be done for you. Goodbye. But John told them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. Now this is something that soldiers did back in the day. If they saw something they liked that an enemy had, they'd take it. 
if they had an opportunity to get somebody in trouble that they didn't like, they would bear false witness against them. They would testify against them. And this person would be thrown into prison or put to death. It's something that soldiers did back in those days. The other was be content with your wages. And this is something that, you know, I, I have to tell you, going into the military, uh, I never felt I was paid enough when I was enlisted. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how many times my friends would say, uh, my wife wants me to get out because we don't make enough. And uh, we want to have more children and we need to get out of the military. And so that's always been a problem with soldiers throughout the millennia to be content with your wages. <coughs> but for these soldiers, they were offered the chance of being baptized, of becoming Jewish. I can't imagine how that must have rocked their world to hear that. Just like today, when someone comes up to me or you and says, I've blown my life. It's over for me. I have nothing left but judgment. I'm going to die in my sins. And God will never forgive me. And we get to tell them, not so. Your time is not up. God loves you. God cares about you. God wants you to find Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And it is possible to be a good man and be a soldier. And it is not a violation of the law of God to serve in the military. Many of you knew that already. But you'd be surprised how many people are telling our soldiers and sailors and Marines and airmen and Space Force that you can't do that. You can't serve the military and still be a righteous Christian. I tend to think that the military has some of the most sold out people they'll ever be. They care about the Lord. They care about their people. And they serve them enough. Many of you know that I am a historian by my bachelor's degree. And uh, my, what I like to, to uh, specify in my degree is Civil War history and early American history. And there's a story called the Palmyra Massacre. Many of you have never heard of it. It happened on September the 12th, 1862. <clears throat> and up in Missouri, they had just as many people that joined the Confederate soldiers as they did the Union soldiers. And in Missouri, they had garrisons all over the place. And so this Confederate Army Colonel, Joseph Porter, decided that when the soldiers were out on patrol, he would raid Palmyra, Missouri, and release 45 Confederate prisoners who had been captured and placed in the county jail. He picked his time, managed to make sure that the Union forces were off on a wild goose chase, and Colonel Porter and 400 men slipped into the town. They captured several prisoners, and among them was 60-year-old Andrew Alsman, who was a Union sympathizer, who had a reputation for betraying his Confederate neighbors to the militia. He was very much disliked by the townspeople and the Confederates. Colonel Porter, after occupying the town for about two hours, felt he had accomplished his purpose. 
The prisoners in the jail were free, arms and supplies were confiscated, and some horses were taken, and the rebel soldiers withdrew from the town. My point about veterans is that we are committed to a cause. Y'all remember that Jesus was hanging on a cross. And as he was hanging on the cross, the crowd taunted Jesus, save yourself. But Jesus was committed to a cause. He wanted to save the world. And he knew the only way he could do it was to hang on that cross and die. Our veterans have, just, have demonstrated a heart committed to a cause, the cause of freedom, the cause of courage, the cause of love of country, the cause of constitutional self-government. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was committed to a cause. Our veterans were committed to a cause. Let me ask you something. If I was to sit you down right now and say, to what are you committed? To what cause would you risk life and limb? For what purpose would you dedicate your energies, your finances, your time? We honor our veterans, but we worship our commander-in-chief, not the President of the United States, but God Almighty. We owe our liberty to our veterans, but we owe our eternal life to Jesus Christ. We salute the flag, but we kneel before the Christ of the cross. Getting back to Palmyra, Missouri, on October 8th, Provost Marshal William R. Strachan published a notice to Confederate Colonel Porter that unless Alsman was returned within 10 days, 10 former Confederate soldiers held as prisoners in Palmyra and Hannibal would be executed. The 10 days went by and no reply was ever received. It was believed that Andrew Alsman was dead. On that day, 10 Confederate prisoners already in custody, were selected to pay with their very lives. The names of the men were as follows. Willis Baker, Thomas Humpson, Morgan Bixler, Herbert Hudson, John M. Wade, Marion Lair, Captain Thomas A. Sidner, Elizer Lake, and William T. Humphrey. These soldiers were informed on Friday evening that unless Mr. Allsman was returned to his family by one o'clock the following day, they would all be shot to death. The Reverend James S. Green of the city remained with them during the night as their spiritual advisor, endeavoring to prepare them for their sudden entrance into the presence of their maker. A little after 11 a.m. the next day, three government wagons drove to the jail. They carried a total <coughs> of 10 rough board coffins. Point number two, our veterans are dedicated to changing the course of the future. There was a thief on the cross, you might remember, as Jesus was hanging there. And this thief said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. For those men on the cross, time was running out. Their lives were about to end on earth, but their eternal destinies were about to begin. They both had joined the crowd's taunts of Jesus. One of them repented, 
and ask Jesus to remember him. And Jesus' reply changed the course of that man's eternal future. In an instant, he was delivered from certain damnation and hell, and his soul was taken to paradise. This is a different world than it would have been if it hadn't been for the dedication of our veterans. Yes, we still live in a corrupt and twisted society, but who knows what powers might have dominated if it wasn't for the commitment of our veterans. Truly, in each war, they changed the course of the future. I think about when we were, we were 13 colonies, and men who were not soldiers stood up and said, we want to be free from England. We want to be free from colonial rule. We don't want a king anymore. We want to be free. And these men took up muskets that they had used to shoot squirrel and deer, and they took on the superpower of the world, the British Empire. And during that time, and if you ever read the battles, I always like to point out to people, a lot of folks will say that the founding fathers were deists. They weren't Christians, they were deists. And they wrote a lot of things that looked deist in nature. But I always remind those people that there's two founding fathers. The ones that wrote stuff before the revolution and the ones that wrote stuff after the revolution. The Revolutionary War changed those people. They saw the hand of God himself move. He saw, they saw, the hand of God turned those British soldiers and put them on the run. There's no way, strategically, logistically, there's no way that we should have won our freedom from Great Britain. I don't know how many people y'all know that, but that's the absolute truth. There's absolutely no way it should have happened. And yet, the superpower surrendered. General Cornwallis gave his sword to General Washington. And they were allowed to freely board their ships and sail away. And we had won our freedom. That's what a handful of soldiers that shot squirrel and deer can do when God is on their side. What are you willing to do for the future? What are you willing to do for this church, for your own family? However differently our nation's history might have been without the contribution of our veterans, it would be nothing like it is now. And yet, nothing can compare with the change that Jesus made through the cross. He came to rescue us for time and eternity. Getting back to Palmyra, Missouri. Ten men were escorted from the prison and they were seated in the wagons. One seating upon each coffin. A guard of soldiers accompanied them. And the whole cavalcade started for the fairgrounds, located half a mile east of town. The ten coffins were removed from the wagons and placed in a row six to eight feet apart. Thirty soldiers of the Union Army, 2nd Missouri State Militia, were drawn up in a single line facing the row of coffins. The arrangements were completed. The doomed men kneeled upon the grass between the coffins and the soldiers, while the Reverend R.M. Rhodes offered up a prayer. At the conclusion of this, each prisoner took his seat 
upon the foot of his coffin, facing the muskets, which in a few moments were going to launch them into eternity. A hundred spectators had gathered to witness the scene. The stillness of death pervaded the place. The officer in command now stepped forward and got ready to give the command. Ready, aim, fire. Let's go back to Jesus on the cross. When Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus did not shrink back at the point of death. Jesus gave it all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 6. For God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For, while, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Our veterans were willing to pay the price. They gave up safety and peacefulness of being at home. They left their friends. They left their families. Some surrendered their personal plans for education and career. Some suffered the loss of their sight. Some suffered the loss of their very limbs. Many were radically physically disabled. And many paid the price with their very lives. Countless young men and women in the bloom of youth have been willing to pay the price, have stood in front of that recruiter's office and have raised their hand and said, I will support the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. They've made that vow. And in order to change the course of this nation, they paid the ultimate price. What price are we willing to pay to maintain our spiritual freedom, to fulfill the purpose that Christ has called you, to rid yourself of all that robs you of God's high expectation of you, to do what you can to raise your children to have personal faith in Jesus Christ. No greater price has been paid. I remember when I was in Iraq, and we got there, and I think I shared this with some of you already. I said, you're very fortunate to be in Iraq. And they all shook their head. They all shook their head no. And I said, you're very fortunate for the distractions in your life have been taken away from you. You get to serve your nation, but you also get to serve Christ. You're in a Muslim country, a country that doesn't believe that Jesus did very much, but a prophet named Muhammad was ten times greater than the Christ. And you're here to live your life and you don't have any distractions anymore. You have your cause to your nation, but you also have your cause to serve Jesus Christ. And if you do both, this time in Iraq is going to pass very quickly for you. And when it's over, you're going to miss it because of all the blessings you're going to see. And many men and women that went to my chapel, for I was a chaplain, I was I was uh, honored to serve as their chaplain, the 49th Military Police. 
And they came to me afterwards and they said, this was a marvelous tour. This was a marvelous tour. I'm sad to see it end. And we all went back home. And some of them I met to later who had served another tour or two later. And they said, nothing matched the tour that we served in Iraq because you made us serve God and you made us serve our nation at the same time. And it made all the difference. I like to remember that Jesus paid in his blood for those who couldn't have cared less. Let's go back to Palmyra. One of the men, one of the ten men originally on the list of prisoners to be executed received a last-minute reprieve. The reprieve man was William T. Humphrey. Hearing that Humphrey was under the sentence of death, a young man named Hiram Smith came forward explaining that he was unmarried and without a family. He asked permission to take the place of Humphrey, stating that perhaps it would be better for a single man to die than a man with a family. And the captain in charge nodded his head, and he allowed Humphrey to go free. If you go to the cemetery of the Mount Pleasant Church in the town of Mount Salem, you will find a stone that has been erected with the following inscription. This monument is dedicated to the memory of Hiram Smith. The hero who sleeps beneath this sod was shot in Palmyra, October 17, 1862, as a substitute for William T. Humphrey, my father. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's become our substitute. As a result, we have become an eternal monument to the riches of Jesus' mercy and the overabundance of His grace. Veterans Day is an opportunity for us to thank those who loved enough to give their lives for others. The cross is a monument that speaks to all who will hear. And I'm reminded, and we'll close with this, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I would encourage each and every one of you. God will give you an opportunity if you'll listen and you'll let Him open your eyes to share your faith with somebody this week. It's going to happen. I'm going to pray it does. And when it does, I pray that each and every one of you, man, boy, girl, child, adult, senior, will say, I got a story to tell you. I got a story about someone who changed my life. I got a story about someone who gave his life for me. And I sure would like to share that story with you because he's ready, willing, and able right now to give his life for you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, when we think back to what you really did for us, when we think back to what you had to overcome to win us our spiritual freedom, like the song says, we scarce can take it in. But Lord, as we pray to you today, help us, Lord, Help us to accept it, 
Help us to be empowered by it. Help us to stand at your feet one day and say, Lord, thank you so much. It was my honor to share what you did with me, with others. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let us stand.